0: Cozy and comfortable, and get ready to hear some enlightening, empowering, and inspiring talk with Leticia, Leticia's Virtual Couch. Hello, and happy September. September is National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, and I always tell you the main goal of my podcast is, of course, to enlighten, empower, and inspire my audience. Um, The other day, I found a meme on social media, and it read, September is National Suicide Awareness Month, but for me, it's also January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, October, November, and December. Because suicide is something that we should talk about on a regular basis and not just dedicate a month to it. Because suicide used to be just an older white male phenomenon, and now suicide is affecting all communities, groups, ethnicities, socioeconomic statuses, classes, age groups, gender, and sexual orientations. Suicide should become a topic of discussion every month, as I just said, and every day for that matter to continue in erasing the stigma and taboo attached to mental health overall. Let's bring awareness together every month. Now, after this break, I will bring some stats and some additional information to show you the prevalence of suicide following by some signs and also some awesome resources that you can use yourself or you can tell a friend and other loved one about them because my ultimate goal and our goal together should be to save lives. I want to make this topic of mental health and suicide to become so commonplace that we are no longer losing lives and we want to instill hope To let people know that yes, sometimes in life we are going to run into some rough patches where it feels like we're in the deepest, darkest pit, but there is hope. So please stay tuned after this for more. Welcome back. Today's topic of discussion, again, is suicide, as we are bringing more awareness, being that September is National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. Now, let me go into some stats for you. More than 45,000 Americans died last year from suicide. 1.3 million adults have attempted a suicide in their lifetime. 2.7 million adults have attempted or planned to commit suicide in their lifetime and 9.3 million adults have had suicidal thoughts now in my experience and in in recent um articles that i've read many african-american teens preteens and children as well as women men have been victims of suicide more in this past year kate spade anthony bourdain robert williams phyllis hyman dunny hathaway jeffrey epstein and more recently a prominent pastor jared wilson and countless of of other celebrities and individuals and other professionals including farmers have seen spikes in suicide due to financial hardships and other causes now many of us may have known that physicians police officers mental health therapists um, have had high incidents of suicide being that the profession can be very taxing and, you know, the life that they see that are lost and things of that sort can be very traumatic and cause someone to commit suicide because of the grief that's um, that are oftentimes associated. Um, a new article that I um, actually have been reading, and um, like I said, I'm always learning and things that I learned, I definitely would love to share with my audience, which I do, And a new article that I had been reading is in September 13th, 2019, issue of Time.com. And the author of this article is Melissa Chan. Now, she discussed how there is a high incident of veterinarians um, committing suicide. So it goes to show you that suicide does not discriminate. But let me go in more in detail about what the article is highlighting. Now, the job of um, veterinarians are is very challenging, and I never really noticed what some of the things that, you know, they go through. Now, according to the article, the job challenges more than 70,000 veterinarians in the U.S. face um, have led to high suicide. Now, let me read that again. I'm sorry. The job challenges that more than 70,000 veterinarians in the U.S. face have led to a disproportionate amount of high suicide rates, according to U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which is the CDC, nearly 400 veterinarians died by suicide between 1979 and 2015, according to a CDC study published in January that analyzed that more than 11,000 veterinarians' deaths. Record um, records that time frame, okay. The study also found that female veterinarians are up to 3.5 times more likely to kill themselves than members of the general population. Veterinarians are said to have um, very unique factors which heighten their suicide um, rates. Um, While researchers have long known that doctors, of course, as I said before, physicians are more likely to die by suicide than the general population, and this is partly due to issues like depression, anxiety, and burnout, veterinarians face a unique set of stressors. Their patients can't speak or tell them what's wrong. And they have to euthanize their patients, you know, in the form of pets with a treatable injury or illness because sometimes the caretaker just can't afford the remedy, which might include costly surgeries. Now, some vets are having to euthanize um, animals because of the overcrowding of shelters. And I've heard of that and I never... Never thought that this was an issue with this population, and it goes to show that you know when we become educated and we read more we will um, we'll learn so many unique and fascinating things and I just never knew that being that i 'm a clinician and I deal with um, you know humans i didn 't really know that veterinarians have this this you know this issue, and it 's quite sad, but their rates of suicide is very high more than the general population. Um, I want to go into some myths because a lot of times we, especially with suicide and mental illness, when we don't talk about things a lot, it give rise to myths. And so people run with these things that are very untrue. Now, it has been said, and I've heard this so many times, that suicide is more prevalent in winter in winter months and this is not true in fact suicide is known to be heightened in late spring to early summer and um so for some of the things that I've read and study it's said that these are the months that people are most lonely and who would have thought because I would have think you know in the winter months you know the sun is not really out and um you know, even with the holiday season, you would think that some people that don't have family, that they would be more prone to loneliness and sadness and depression. However, I've had, um, I've heard the argument that in the winter months, where there's a lot of holidays, people are more festive, so they're less likely to be depressed. And in the summer, you know, different ones are going on vacations and things of that sort. The sun is out, and. More people are more apt to be sad from looking at people, quote unquote, living their best lives, not having the means to travel and things of that sort. I've also read that there's um, even chemical um, imbalance that happens more at this time. So there's some seasonal um, depression that goes on and it's heightened in late spring to early summer. So who would have, you know, um, who would have thought that? But again, you know, that's why we need to spread knowledge and get knowledge instead of perpetuating myths that can um, definitely give people wrong information. Another myth is suicide only affects individuals with a mental health condition. And that is also false. You know, many individuals with mental health illnesses are not affected by suicidal thoughts. And um, a lot of times with people who attempt or... Um, you know, commit suicide, do not have um, what they say, a mental illness. Now, some of the things, you know, I would beg to differ that some things may be there that just have, haven't have been diagnosed. But, you know, um, a lot of times people are just going maybe through a financial hardship. And I've heard of that a lot. And they just can't take the, um, the fact that they can't provide for them, fa- you know, for their families. And I've heard that with um, the farmer population, you know, farmers who are um, their family is very dependent upon the crops and, you know, say, for instance, different weather challenges are um, are coming along and they can't provide for their families because they were um, hoping to have a good crop for that year. And it didn't happen. Um, relationship problems and other life stressors such as criminal legal matters. And I can definitely see that persecution, eviction, you know, the loss of a home, death of a loved one, a devastating um You know, illness, trauma, sexual abuse, rejection um, are some of the other things that can um, increase someone's chances for committing suicide where there wasn't a pre-existing mental health issue there. Another myth, um, once an individual is suicidal, he or she will always remain suicidal. That is also not true. Um, Active suicidal ideation is often short-term and situation-specific. And studies have shown that approximately 54% of individuals who have died by suicide did not have a diagnosable um, mental health disorder. Like I said before, they did not have a pre-existing mental health disorder before. So sometimes it's very um, short term and um, just because they've had it before doesn't mean that they will always have it. Now, however, because someone have attempted before, it does increase the chances. Um, sometimes of them because they've had it before. So, um, it may increase their chances of act, um, of actually doing it again and being successful the next time. So as a clinician, um, that's one thing that I've always looked for in my assessment. Have they ever attempted before? Because studies have shown that they may be more apt to do it again and may, you know, succeed the next time. Okay. Um, Another myth, most most suicides happen suddenly without warning. The fact is warning signs verbally or behaviorally precedes most suicides. Therefore, it's important, and I will talk about that later on in the segment, um, it's important to learn and understand the warning signs associated with suicide. Many individuals who are suicidal may also show warning signs to those closest to them, These loved ones may not recognize what's going on, which is how it may be likely that um, someone who um, is showing the signs may say that there was no warning. I never knew that they were going to harm themselves. And so, again, um, as I will be talking about the symptoms and signs later on, it is very important for us to be educated on what those signs are. Another myth uh, people who die by suicide, um, some people um, will make comments to say they were selfish and that was an easy way out. And that is definitely false as well. Typically people do not die by suicide because they do not want to live. People die by suicide um, because they want to end their suffering. Um, I've had her, you know, I've had patients where they say they are tempted and they just wanted the pain to stop. Um, Do I think they're a coward for doing so? Absolutely not. They were just doing what they thought would take the pain away. And so as clinician, what I do is provide them with coping skills so they can see um, have better tools to ride those waves of, of depression or those dark moments or. Just normal everyday things that we as adults will go through. We will all experience the death of a loved one, the death of a a pet, you know, maybe financial issues in in sort and so on. So we need to have the necessary tools and um, a network of individuals that we can go to and resources that can help us through these moments. Another myth is um, that I hear a lot talking about suicide will lead to an suicide. So a lot of times we hear a lot of people who they really don't want to talk about it, which actually makes it more of a taboo and a stigma. Now, the fact is that there is a wet, um, widespread stigma associated with suicide as a result of this. And many people are afraid to speak about it. But talking about suicide not only reduces the stigma, it also allows the individual, as I said before, seek help, learn um, the necessary tools, have the necessary resources and rethink their opinions and share their story with others. We all need to talk about suicide. So it is very imperative to debunk these common myths about suicide so that we can hopefully help individuals um, to look at suicide from a different angle. Um, and understand with more compassion um, for individuals who are struggling with um, mental illness. As I said before, you know, things that we keep in the dark, I think are allowed to thrive and perpetuation of error and wrong information is allowed to also continue. So after this brief break, I'm going to go in to talk about those signs and symptoms so that we know what to look out for and possibly save a life from suicide. So please stay tuned. The discussions on this podcast is for informational purposes only. If you find yourself becoming triggered by any topic Please refrain from listening and reach out to your nearest emergency room or dial 911. If you desire to seek therapy in the future, please Google and find your nearest therapist in close proximity to you. Thank you. your girl, Letitia, coming to you from the virtual couch. I want to take a little bit of your time today to discuss how to find the right therapist. Now, like with anything, your hairstylist, your gardener, your medical doctor, it may take a few tries before you find the right fit. Finding the right therapist is no different. So stay the course and don't give up. Also, I want to empower you to ask questions. Do not feel like you're being intrusive by asking questions because guess what? This is the person that's going to lead you and guide you towards your healing. And this is a very important partnership. So I will say this even as a therapist myself. If a therapist becomes offended by any questions that you may have, just like with any other individual that I discussed before, like your doctor, your gardener, whoever, someone you know, working on your home. If they become offended, you're probably not gonna hire them, right? Exactly. Your therapist is no different, so don't feel offended. Don't be offended by the degrees and the licenses and yes, all those hard things we worked for, but we're here for you. And so it is your right to ask every question you need to ask to make sure it is the right fit for you. And again, it may take a few tries. And again, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or that therapist is a bad person either. It just means that, you know what, they may not be the right person to guide you on your journey. Um, So I want to leave you with a a few resources. Uh, psychologytoday.com is a resource where you can view various therapists and you can even input your area by your zip code, your city and your state to find the therapist nearest you. You can also go to therapyforblackgirls.com and therapyforblackmen.org. Please seek these resources out. They are awesome. There are some wonderful very experienced therapists on these sites some of which are my beautiful colleagues and i know the hard work that they do and they are waiting to hear from you okay so i'm not gonna take any more of your time because i know you can't rush to can't wait to get to that computer right and search out that therapist so i'm not going to say anything further if you want to Tell me about your experience. I would love to hear about it. Please email me at virtualcouchpodcast onegmailcom one at gmail.com. And happy hunting. Take care. If you or someone you love is having thoughts of suicide, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at one 800 273 8255. That's 1 800 273 TALK. It is available 24 hours, 7 days a week. You are not alone. Hey, y'all enjoy the break? And find your spot on the couch. And get ready to hear our girl Leticia drop some more gems on you. Drop some more gems on them, Latisha. Letitia. Drop some more gems on them. Okay, let's start talking about some signs and symptoms of suicide. Long-lasting sadness, mood swings, and unexpected rage. Hopelessness. Feeling a deep sense of hopelessness about the future with little expectation that circumstances can improve. Sleep problems. Now, sleep problems can be sleeping more or less than usual. Suddenly becoming calm after a period of depression or moodiness can also be a sign that a person has made a decision to end his or her life. Now, sometimes this can um, confuse people because you may say, Oh my God, they feel better now. You know, they are no longer, um, you know, depressed. But make sure by asking questions, having a discussion with the individual, because sometimes when there has been a sudden change in their mood where they're now happy all of a sudden, it could be that they've made a decision to end their lives withdrawal and isolation from others and their usual pleasurable activities. So if a person withdraw and they isolate and they no longer find meaning and happiness in their normal activities, that is also a sign. Changes in someone's personality and or appearance. A person who is considering suicide might exhibit a change in attitude or behavior, such as speaking or moving with unusual speed or slowness. In addition, the person may also become less concerned about their appearance and or hygiene. Um, dangerous or self-harmful behavior, potentially dangerous behaviors such as reckless driving, engaging in unsafe sex, being promiscuous, and engaging in drug and or alcohol. Um, those are also signs that they no longer value their life. Trauma or life crisis, a major life crisis may trigger a suicide attempt. Now, in recent weeks, we've seen individuals lose everything in Hurricane Dorian and past um, life um, catastrophe, natural disaster, um, things of that sort. Losing a loved one, that's also something that may trigger suicide, um, loss of a pet, loss, um, loss of a relationship and divorce or breakup a major illness, job loss, or serious financial problems are some of those other life crises and trauma that someone can go through that can trigger a suicide attempt. Making preparations, often a person considering suicide will begin to put his or her personal business in order. They might uh, visit friends and family that they haven't seen in a long time by traveling to another state, another country. Um, or even someone that is more local. Giving things away, like their personal possessions, making a will, and cleaning, even cleaning up his or her room, um, could be signs of someone who has um, made a decision to commit suicide. Even writing letters, of course, that is more um, known and more obvious, of course, writing letters. So, you know, looking at things um, and paying attention to it, Uh, a lot of times, Individuals are able to commit suicide, as I stated before, it's because some of the warning signs have been missed, okay? Some people may also buy a firearm or other means like poison, medications, and things of that sort. So please keep your eyes open because these are markers of someone who wants to commit suicide. Threatening suicide. um, According to WebMD, 50% to 75% of those considering suicide will give someone, a friend or relative, a warning sign. So, of course, again, pay attention. Have these conversations. Make time for your loved ones when they're feeling sad or going through things. Check on your friend. And being that, um, I'm glad I brought that up. Check on your friend, but check on your strong friends as well. And I think I've said this in past episodes that sometimes we think the strong friends are ones who they have it together. But we all have our weak points where we all need a shoulder to cry on. So don't assume that someone has it all figured out, they have it all together. Please lend um, an ear, you know, have your shoulder um, be available to cry on for those strong friends as well. Now, who is more apt to commit suicide? Suicide rates are highest in teens, young adults, and the elderly. White men over the age of 65 have the highest rates of suicide, and suicide risk are also higher in the following groups. Older people who have lost a spouse through death or divorce, people who have attempted suicide in the past, people with a history of suicide, people with a friend or coworker, or someone who's close to them um, other than a coworker who has, contempt, um, who has um, committed suicide or attempted suicide as well. People with a history of physical, emotional, or sexual abuse. People who are unmarried, unskilled, or unemployed. People with long-term pain or disabling or terminal illness people who are prone to violent or impulsive behavior. So your individuals who are maybe in gangs, teens who are cutting you may want to look at um those who are um have behavior issues as well and the reason why I say that is sometimes it's hard to recognize those signs because I think I've said it in a past episode there is a such thing as suicide by cop they may have a different means of doing so but you definitely want to look at people who are violent or impulsive um in recent weeks, I'm seeing um, an increase of families uh, where they have committed suicide and they've taken out their other family members as well. So y'all, you also want to look at that as well. If they're violent, they're very impulsive, um, irrational, not really thinking things through, you definitely want to look at those individuals closely. Okay? People who have recently been released from a psychiatric hospitalization. And that is very important, as we've seen in the case of uh, Jeffrey Epstein. He was on a suicide um, suicide hold in prison, and that's another population that I'm not going to really get into today. But that's a, a very unique population um, that is very more prone to suicide, especially in the first 24 hours of their incarceration. Mm-hmm. OK, and those who have just come off of a hole that are not in prison, they're more vulnerable at this time. Um, they're often very frightening, frightening or frightened, uh, I should say, excuse me, from being released. They don't really know what to think. They're very vulnerable at this stage. So it is very important for us to. Um, load them up with resources, checking on them. And so in my field, one of the things that we do when a person has just been released, we check on them literally every day. And um, within that first 24 hours of the release to, um, you know, give them a lending ear, um, load them up with resources, and have a, just a safe space where they can talk about their fears and their issues. Um, the reason why they were even on a psychiatric hold in the first place, okay? So that's very important. People in certain professions, such as police officers, healthcare providers, as, as I spoke with uh, about before, who work with terminally ill patients and, um, as we know now, um, veterinarians, because we didn't know that before, Um, Before, uh, you know, we talked about police officers and um, just regular physicians, but we learned something today about uh, those who deal with animals. And when you think about it again, yes, they deal with death all the time because they're always euthanizing pets. Um, And for some of the most minute reasons, just overcrowding. Um, And you know, that's very sad and it's very traumatic. I can definitely understand how that could be very traumatizing to an individual. Lastly, people with substance abuse problems, You know, although women are three times as likely to attempt suicide, men are more likely to complete the act. And the reason why is because men usually have more lethal means, firearms in that sort. So they are more apt to actually complete the act more than women are who usually are over-the-counter drugs and things of that sort. Okay? So when I return, I am going to conclude and um, yeah so it is my my hope that with all the information that you gained today, that you would be able to be more proactive and ask those hard questions. And know the more you are, um, am asking questions, you're not going to make one more prone to commit suicide. So please stay tuned after this brief break. Um, and I will be following up with the conclusion of today's episode. Okay. Thank you. And please stay tuned. Before I conclude, I wanted to add something. In recent years, we've been seeing more suicides of children, um, preteens and children, um, African-American to be exact. And so I wanted to include some signs and symptoms that you may be able to look for in children who may be contemplating suicide as well you definitely want to monitor their social media if they're on social media and see how they're engaging with their peers because this is where a lot of cyberbullying is occurring of course it's called cyberbullying this is where a lot of bullying is um occurring that um begins in the school setting but it continues on social media a lot of the times you also want to pay attention to their peers and How they are engaging with their peers in real time, Um, you know, children coming into their home. You know, you may want to monitor. You should be monitoring your children anyway. I I feel every aspect of their lives, Um, especially when they're under eighteen. You definitely should be monitoring their um, the social um, acquaintances and their social life in general. You also want to look at if they are failing in school, if once they were a student and now they're failing, you want to look at that. You also want to look at if they maybe even have a nightmares about things. Look at their sleep patterns, their eating patterns. Um, also, if they do not have a desire to go to school or fearful of going to school. That is usually a marker that something in that school setting is um, not right. So speaking with teachers, principals, you know, the school nurse even if if they still exist because in a lot of schools they've been cut, but you definitely want to have other eyes um, and ears in the school setting as well. So I did want to add that there may be other things that I've missed. Um, So definitely this is not um, a list that is um, exhausted, of course, exhaustive. You definitely want to look and see because there may be some things that your child may be exhibiting on their own. Okay, so with that said, in conclusion, as a society, we should not be afraid to speak up about suicide. And to speak up about mental illness and suicide um, is going to increase awareness and decrease the likelihood of it occurring. Uh, Speaking about it is not going to make this problem go away. Nor does it create um, an environment where someone will increase the likelihood of committing suicide, as I debunked in, uh, as I discussed the myths. Eliminating the stigma starts by understanding why suicide occurs and advocating for mental health awareness within our communities. There are suicide hotlines, mental health support groups, online resources, and many other mental health professionals who can help. Um, any individual, if that's even you, who is struggling with unhealthy thoughts and emotions. That can lead to suicide. So what can you do um, for yourself or a loved one? Again, you may want to call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline and that's 1-800-273-8255 and that is available 24-7, 24 hours, um, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You want to have conversations with loved ones without judgment, and if it's you, you want to have conversations with others who are who won't judge you and who's gonna listen. And sometimes listening um, without, um, you know, judgment means sometimes just not even having an opinion, just being there to listen to you. Um, having friends that you check in with. You may want to check in with someone. And if you are the person who have someone like this in your life, you definitely want to check up with them. Again, check in with your strong friends. Don't assume that everyone has it all together. None of us have it all together all the time, okay? We all have weak points and points where we're low and we need to talk to someone because life happens to everyone, right? Life does not discriminate against anyone. It's just that some of us have more of the tools Um, to deal with life when it does happen. Spread awareness. You may want to have um, groups, have campaigns, even something as simple as posting something on your social media. you will be surprised at how many people who may not respond to any of your posts, but they're looking, they're watching. So even um, sharing posts on your Instagram, your Facebook, your Twitter, that will do wonders. Um, Awareness is imperative, Um, it's a known fact that awareness and education begets healing. And so the more we talk about things, the more people are educated and the less likely it is a stigma and taboo. And just logically, what remains in the dark um, is given strength, right? And, And strength in forming different myths and again stigma and taboo, so light exposes darkness. And with that, it brings healing. So with that said, I am so thankful that you've listened to today's episode. Please share with as many people as you need to. Listen over and over again if you need to. Take notes while you're listening. And please just take care of each other. If you have any questions, if you have suggestions about shows, please email me at virtualcouchpodcast1 at gmail.com. And thank you and God bless you. virtual